Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to our special holiday edition of A Higher Branch. Now, I know this time of year is very chaotic and I've decided to keep this episode short and sweet but I promise you it contains some very important and insightful tips for your family these holidays. So I want to focus uh, on the importance of the tree of family, the tree of love and the tree of friendship. In other words, I want to focus on some tips that'll help you build some solid human connections, especially with your family. So yes, it is about the tree of family, but I want to expand the scope of what family means. Family does not just mean blood relations. It also means your partner. Your partner is also family. Your friends, friends are the family we choose. And that could also mean friends from your workplace. But it also includes pets. So for many of us, pets are our family. So I want to share with you some very important principles on how to climb the tree of family. But first, I want to explain why family is important or why the tree of family is one of the eight areas of life that fills fundamental human needs. So the tree of family fills the fundamental human need for unconditional love and support. Now, what does that mean? Have you ever noticed that the best and most successful athletes in the world always have their family in the crowd watching? Why is that? It's because family give us that unconditional love and support. It's to make us feel like no matter what happens, as long as we play our best game, even win or lose, that we're still going to be loved by our family because our family will love us no matter what. So it's important that you create a family dynamic and a family culture where everyone in the family knows that they are loved, no matter what mistakes they make in life, no matter what failures. It's important because when you have the unconditional love and support of your family, it helps you play fearlessly. It helps you do things without fear of failure because you think, well, I'm loved, right? Whether I win or lose, I'm loved. And I promise you that the most successful people in life, whether it's on the playing field or in the corporate world, they play fearlessly because when you play out of fear, it's like for those of you who play cricket, it's like when you start batting on the back foot, right? When you start batting out of fear, you inevitably get bowled out. You stop scoring runs or you get out LBW or leg before wicket, as they call it. That is a strong parallel analogy for life as well. You can't operate out of fear of failure. So that's why the tree of family is so important. So I'm going to share with you some really nice principles that'll help you foster and nurture that feeling that you are unconditionally loved and supported and that you reciprocate that feeling of unconditional love and support. So firstly, I want to share with you the importance of greetings and goodbyes. Now, a lot of us take for granted the impact that our energy has in the room whenever we get home or whenever we leave home. A lot of people don't actually say goodbye to their kids when they leave because they think their kids are too young to understand. And it's better if I just sneak out, do my thing, because I don't want the hassle of upsetting them. 
And let me tell you, it's the worst thing you can do. So why is it important habit to cultivate the greetings and goodbyes? Well, greetings and goodbyes or greetings and farewells are an important catalyst between people. It sets the tone. It sets the pace and the energy transfer between people. It's an impression you leave on people that either engages them or repels them. That's consciously or subconsciously. So it's critical socially. In fact, I say it's critical in business. And it's a relatively easy habit to implement and really has the most powerful impact on your relationship with your family. So I know that some people, their negative brain will kick in and at this point and say, but I'm not really charismatic or charming. In fact, I can be awkward. And my answer is this. Yes, you may be awkward or shy or timid or whatever, but still be lovable, right? I know lots of introverts who are absolutely lovable. So I'm not asking you to be fake when it comes to greetings and goodbyes. I'm asking you to master the art of greetings and goodbyes in a way that attracts people to you and makes your family feel loved. So whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, forward or awkward, cheerful or reserved, talkative or observant, the the bottom line here is to greet and say goodbye to your family every time. Never, ever sneak out. It sends a message to them that they do not matter. Greetings and goodbyes make children feel more emotionally secure. And the science really supports that. So my tip to these holidays is have a family meeting and tell your children the importance to greet and say goodbye to one another. Make it a family rule. And this time of year is the perfect time to start new things, start new habits and rituals, because greetings and goodbyes are a habit. So it will feel weird at first if you have not done it in a while, but in a few days, it will feel natural and warm. It will fill your home with joy and love. I promise you, it is that powerful. Children love big hugs, especially big family group hugs. Now, teenage children, not so much, but you can still insist on a small hug. And also young children also love secret handshakes. So do not wait for your family to come to you. If you enter the house, it is your cue to announce your entry and find your family members. It's also your cue to be playful, fun, or endearing, you know, saying things like, how is my Tommy or how is my Sally? I cannot stress the importance of this beautiful little tip. So let's go through some rules then when it comes to greetings and goodbyes. Be present when you kiss or hug or shake hands. It never counts if you do not look the other person in the eye warmly. If you are arriving home from work and in the wrong headspace, Stay in your car and do a brain dump in your diary to get your to-do list out of your head. The other important thing is to back it up with words, whether you are greeting or saying goodbye. Words in conjunction with a kiss, hug, or handshake makes it more personal. Saying things like, I love coming here, I love being home, applies not only with family, but also when you visit anyone. Saying things like, you always make my day is another example, especially with friends that you call family. Make it genuine, make it appropriate, depending on the closeness of the relationship, of course. So what is your trigger? Ask yourself if this is the last time you get to see this person. This is what I call my trigger to remind me about the importance of greetings and goodbyes. So if this was the last time you saw this person, how do you you want them to remember that last interaction? When it comes to your partner, family, or close friends, you know, even more so, you never know what happens in life. I know this is a morbid thought, but knowing you or they can die unexpectedly helps you to make it memorable, puts life into real perspective. 
And look, I know that the habit of greetings and goodbyes is simple and unremarkable, but simple habits such as this, they don't need to be remarkable for them to be effective. The fact that it is ordinary should make it an easy habit to infuse into your days. And I promise you, when you master the art of greetings and goodbyes, you will become unforgettable and bring joy to everyone around you, especially your family. The second principle I want to share with you these holidays is the importance of family rituals. And this is a great time of year to start new family rituals. So what am I talking about here? Family rituals is like the glue that makes a family stick together, especially young children. They love rituals. Things like having one night a week where you visit grandma or grandpa and have dinner at their place. Or rituals could be expressing gratitude before an evening meal. Other rituals could be one day a month where you go visit a farm. Anything that your family loves to do, if you do it repetitively on the same day of the month and make it a ritual, then that really creates this sense of family identity. It creates a sense of deep human connection. I mean, rituals have defined mankind over the centuries. It is prevalent in religious institutions, in corporate institutions. Like in our business, for example, we have a you know, ritual of every Monday morning, we have a meeting with a management team. We order pizzas at the same time, <laughs> at the same date, every week. And that creates a ritual and everyone's looking forward to it. So that's my second principle. The second, if you like, habit that you should start infusing at this time of the year. Now, I want to also remind you of a few important things in the tree of family. Number one is to live within your means. Your children and neither yourself should care whether you are sitting on a $20 chair from Ikea or a $2,000 designer chair when enjoying the evening meal. You don't care. The evening meal is still the same. So when you live within your means, stop borrowing money to you know, live a lifestyle that adds little in the way of meaning to your daily rituals, to your family dynamic. They, in fact, make you poorer because they make you feel like you need to work harder and longer hours to pay them off. But the irony is you get to enjoy them less because you're rarely at home to enjoy them. And as I said, your kids don't care about material things. What they really care about is the connection that they have with you, the words you use, the greetings and goodbyes that I mentioned earlier with a warm hug. They really care about your presence and you being present and really listening to what they have to say. So my tip to you is to live within your means. My second tip is make sure you never, ever put anything ahead of family, especially your work. At a higher branch in our framework, the tree of family is the third most important in life. The first being your health, second being your relationship with your partner, and the third being the tree of family with your children, with your brothers, sisters, uncle, aunts, grandparents. So it's a simple tip, but always remind yourself never to put anything ahead of your family. Now, my, my next tip for this time of the year is if you can afford to get gifts, by all means do so. But whether you buy a gift or not, Remember that the most important gift that you can give is a really well-written card. And in that card, what I suggest you do is list all the things that you love about your family member and remind them of how special they are, what they mean to you, why those special qualities that they have bring value into your life, because that validates their value to society in general. Now, 
The next thing I want to take you through is the importance of how to bond with your children. So I'm going to give you some practical tips on how to bond with your children. Number one is remove TV from their bedrooms. Number two is do not use technology and television to keep your kids occupied. To me, that's bordering on neglect, and that's the hard truth. The damage of overexposure to technology is, in a lot of ways, more harmful than smoking, right? Because you all know how much importance at a higher branch we place on mental and emotional health. Number three is put phones and other technology like tablets on charge and out of hands 90 minutes before their bedtime. Number four is don't structure their play. For me, structure is a prison for the creative mind. Innovators of the future think in a non-linear way, and especially children. Number five is allow your children to get messy sometimes. Number seven is help them play dress-up, especially if you have daughters. Number eight is to read to them, and more importantly, let them read to you. Number nine is share a hobby as they get older. This will help you stay connected to them. Number 10 is have one-on-one alone time with each child at least once a week. And this is a great time of you to start that habit. Number 11 is encourage them to ask questions. Asking questions without fear of ridicule is absolutely essential to keep their sense of curiosity. And it will help them carry that sense of curiosity into the classroom. Number 13 is teach them how to save money. This is an essential life skill and you need to lead by example, which means you need to break your addiction to retail therapy. Next, number 13 is get them to do chores around the house. This is critical because it gives them a sense of self-worth and make sure you praise them for completing the task, but also don't kid them and accept mediocrity. If you want a certain standard, do the chore with them and show them that standard. They will know for next time. Because I know some parents will praise their kids whether they flop or succeed. And that's a form of lying to them. You wouldn't do it to a friend. So why do it to your children? Number 14 is visit grandparents and relatives together. And for obvious reasons uh, that I mentioned earlier. Number 15 is arrange time for them to help you cook. Even letting them pick a healthy recipe and shop for the ingredients together. That's a really, really important tip for building a bond with your children. The next one is my personal favorite, especially when my children were young, is that spend time on Sunday nights taking turns to talk about what you did last week and what you're going to do the next week. Perhaps around this time of the year is taking turns discussing, and this is my next and final tip, is that asking them, what are you happy about right now in your life? And what are you excited about? when it comes to tomorrow or the week ahead or the month ahead or the year ahead. And don't forget to ask yourself those same questions. (laughs) Lastly, I want to discuss with you the importance of having fun. And this is that great time of the year where we all need to sit back and revisit our ability and that skill of having fun. Because most of the year we have shopping, we have jobs, we continuously running errands and We lose the art of having fun. Now, most of us think that, oh, yeah, I have the natural ability to have fun. And I remember that feeling. But then when we go to do it, we don't know what to do. And it's a skill like any other skill. So I want to finish this podcast talking about why having fun is for everyone and why having fun can actually make you successful. I want to talk about what kills fun. I want to also discuss this psychology of do you need to be happy to have fun? 
And uh, lastly, I want to talk about how do you have fun and give you some ways that you can have fun these holidays. And I promise you a lot of this stuff you may not have thought of. Maybe there'll be a few on the list uh, that you uh, recognize. But first of all, let's talk about the principle of having fun, why play is so important for human behavior. So I've noticed that most people have lost the ability to have fun because they have the wrong idea about what fun is. So let me clarify, fun is not getting drunk on a Friday night, right? Fun is not surfing TV or the internet. Fun is not attracting likes on Facebook or Instagram. Fun is not in the next new car or pair of shoes that you buy. And fun is definitely not found walking around a shopping center. Retail therapy may feel like it's fun, but it's a very short-term fix. It's a very short-lived dopamine hit that we get. And I have uh, written an article about this on what is known in psychology as a hedonic treadmill. But firstly, let's talk about what kills fun. And I mentioned what fun isn't, but don't blame yourself if you feel like you've lost the ability to have fun. Like as children, having fun came naturally and easily. And we, we remember that. Making friends and being funny was really a daily joy. But then as school and parents and even religious institutions started to influence our belief systems, we started to do things to please others and spend precious energy worrying about what they think. So we stop smiling as much and start taking ourselves too seriously. We're told to sit still for long periods, follow orders and conform, right? So as children, we were asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? Instead, we should have been asked, how would you like to help others and contribute to society, right? Then as we become adults, we start watching the news and learning fear. We learn to complain. We start to blame. We focus on fault. We become cynical, even miserable, or at best, like mediocre. Most of us stop scheduling time to have fun as we focus more and more on the material world. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with owning things as long as those things don't start to own you. So you need to start this process of having fun by surrounding yourself with people who lift you higher. You need to choose friends and even family members who are aligned to your core values. And you need to start identifying and eliminating toxic relationships from your life because they are huge obstacles to having fun. When you surround yourself with toxic people, you are less likely to reach your potential when I say your potential, your potential to have fun and play. But when you surround yourself with like-minded, positive, caring, honest, and interesting people, being happy and having fun becomes effortless because having fun should be effortless. A lot of people say, well, I'm not happy to have fun. The question is, do you really need to be happy to have fun? Well, the answer is yes and no. Now, being happy makes having fun easier, but having fun also makes you happy. So being unhappy or in a bad mood is a signal from your body and your mind that you need to change something in your life. You may need to change your thinking, change your lifestyle, your diet, or even the change of people you surround yourself with, as I mentioned earlier. Now, these changes require effort and time, and having fun should not wait for those changes to happen, right? Let me repeat that. Having fun should not wait for you to make changes in your life. You don't defer having fun. So the shortcut is to force yourself to do fun things so you can be happy in that moment, right? 
you may not be in, in a place in your life where you are exactly happy with where you are, but that does not matter when it comes to the present moment. Most of us don't feel like having fun when we are in a bad mood, but that is when we need it the most. So you need to force yourself to get up and get out. So the next question is then how do you have fun? Okay, well, some of the emotional hygiene techniques that I use to have fun, first of all, I change my posture. Now, a lot of you would know about the importance of posture, especially if you follow people like Tony Robbins. And if you've watched Amy Cuddy's talk on TED, which has like over 17 million views now, it's titled, Your Body Language May Shape Who You Are. And I say your body language shapes your ability to have fun. The second thing that I do is I always watch and listen to stand-up comedy and funny shows and movies. I stay away from shows that shock the senses or make you feel angry or on edge. That's not going to help you have fun, right? might be entertaining in the moment, especially before you go to bed. It's the last thing you should do. So scientists have shown that watching comedy makes you a funnier person. It puts you in the mood to have fun. It also makes you more intelligent, which is an added bonus. You should watch a short comedy skit every night as part of your nightly routine. That's really a ritual that I absolutely love. You know, there's no secret that laughter releases neurotransmitter dopamine, which has the benefits of boosting your immune function, stress relief, increased tolerance for pain. If you do suffer from chronic pain, reduces anxiety and improves your mood. Now, some of my comedy favorites are Arch Barker, Kitty Flanagan, Jim Jeffries, Russell Peters, and I know for some, Kevin Hart is a great comedian. The other thing that you can do to help create a sense of fun in your personality is to surprise your family and friends. Like be a prankster and do the unexpected. Like go home at the end of the day with a bunch of balloons for the kids. No one's expecting that, right? print your favorite funny family photo and stick them in unusual places. You know, I remember my daughter, Amelia, <laughs> taught me this lesson. She transposed her mum's face on an image of the Mona Lisa and stuck it on the inside of the pantry cupboard and the wardrobe <laughs> throughout the house. I mean, you should have heard the cackles every time a door opened. And this went on for days. So children know how to be like this, right? You're probably listening to this thinking, I remember I used to do that. We all did, and we should not lose that sense of fun. The other way of fostering a fun personality is to use fun emojis and be funny in your text messages. I'm going to go through a list of some ways that you can have fun these holidays. I've got a list here of 17. So let me run through them. There's 17 ways, and these don't apply to everyone, but some will resonate with dads, some with mums, some with children, uh, some with teenagers, some with single people. Number one, I love this, organise a card night. Now, I know a lot of men love poker, whiskey and cigars. And that's a fun thing, getting your mates around to organise a card night. And you take turns. This is a great time of year to hold the first one. But after that first one, make a pact with your friends to hold one like every second month and take turns at each other's place. The second way you can have fun these holidays is go on a country drive. Even better is to do it with a, like a cavalcade of cars where you invite a whole heap of friends and you pack a picnic and you go on a country drive. It's a lot of fun. Number three, and this is one that my daughter loved when she was preteen, 
and pretend you're a tourist and put on an accent for the day when you go shopping. I can tell you we've had so much fun doing that. Number four is go to a farmer's market or better still go fruit picking at a farm. This is something my parents did regularly. They would go cherry picking when it was cherry season or peach picking when it was peach season. Number five is invite your neighbors over. This is a great time of year to invite your neighbors over. And this is a time of year to also try and reconnect with those neighbors that you really don't see during the winter months. Number six is host a movie night with popcorn and ice cream. Yes, popcorn and ice cream. I know a lot of you that are listening to this podcast know about the importance of diet and exercise, but you would also know and heard me repeat time and time again that your emotional well-being and your ability to enjoy your foods that you love fills an emotional need that also has very powerful benefits to your body. So if you love popcorn, love ice cream, enjoy it. One movie night of enjoying those things is not going to be damaging to your health, I promise you. Number seven is share your bucket list with others and talk about what each means to you. This is a really fun thing that you can do with your family is that sit around after you've had a meal and you've packed everything, take turns and say, what's on your bucket list? And why is it on your bucket list, more importantly? Number eight, and I love doing this this time of year, is go through your old photos and relive some of the stories of what that photo reminded you of. It could have been a holiday photo or a photo just before you went onto a soccer field or uh, whatever it is. Not just going through the photos, but also taking the time to relive those stories behind each photo. Number nine is go for a simple bike ride. The wind in your hair when you go on a bike ride is fun. It makes you smile. And I know you're listening to this and thinking, yes, it does. Absolutely does. It's like ice cream. Okay, number 10, take turns cooking. This is a fun thing you can do this time of year. You know, boys cooking for the girls and vice versa. Or doing a cook-off where the girls cook something and the guys cook something and you give each other a rating. Number 11, go to the park and actually get on the swing set with your kids. <laughs> this is something, I mean, providing it can uh, hold you. Number 12 is play board games or charades. Number 13 is tell or read your kids stories at bedtime. It's a really fun thing to do, especially if you create the story yourself rather than read from it. Telling your kids bedtime stories that you've created absolutely stimulates their creative imagination and it helps them have a better night's sleep. Okay, next is you know, a, a personal Aussie favourite is play backyard cricket, soccer, or even touch footy. 15 is organise a surprise party for a friend or a family member. Who doesn't love a surprise party, right? It's a lot of fun. Next, number 16 is do a crossword puzzle. Over days, like I know my wife, she starts a crossword puzzle and she leaves it on the coffee table. And for this time of the year, it takes days. And when you finally finish it, you have a sense of achievement, but you feel like you've had fun. But most importantly, you know, doing a crossword puzzle helps you live in the moment and helps you switch off from work. And then that helps you have fun in all the other areas that we mentioned earlier. Now, lastly, my personal favorite for having fun. And I know as soon as I call this out, you're going to say, yes, doing this absolutely makes me have fun. And it's something that you can do in the privacy of your home. You can get silly. I did this a lot when the kids were younger. 
we used to just put on music, put the blinds down that the neighbors can't see and just dance, like go absolutely silly dancing. And dancing is probably the reset button. If you're feeling like you're not in the mood, it's the one reset button that you can hit that will totally recalibrate your body chemistry and put you in a state of mind where you want to have fun. So wouldn't it be amazing if you can have ice cream and then do a dance to burn off those calories? <laughs> I promise you, after you do those two things, you're going to be in a great state of mind. And again, a reminder is don't wait to be happy to have fun. Have fun and you will become happy. On that note, dear friends, thank you so much for you know, listening to all my podcasts for 2020. I really enjoy producing them for you. And I do it with the utmost of love and respect for your time. And whenever I present any podcast or do the research is, will this help someone out there somewhere? It may not be at that point in your life where you need to hear that message, but it may be at a time in the future where this message is something that you need. So I just want you to know that I always produce these podcasts for you. And just like that, I guess we come to the end of our holiday special. And I promised it would be a short one. It wasn't so short, so I apologize. I hope each of you have a beautiful holiday season with your family and friends. And if you are working, don't forget to have fun with your colleagues. This time of the year is about bringing everyone together to share stories, laughter, food, and of course, love. So from my family to yours, I wish you all a very happy and safe holiday period. And until next week, or shall I say next year, I want you to always live consciously, my friends. <laughs>